0: Hello friends. Welcome to the Christchurch Midweek Podcast, where we deep dive into the scriptures we examined from the previous Sunday morning without the constraint of time, as well as discuss questions and topics of interest from members of our Christchurch family. I'm Pastor Jesse Jarvis, your host. Let's dive in. Hey everybody. Thanks for joining us. It's so great to have you on the podcast listening in. If you are listening in real time, we are kicking off the month of October and we are in the middle of our Worthy of It All series. It's leading up to a a big Sunday for us, an historic Sunday in the life of Christ Church where we're gonna give the Lord our yes and position ourselves to become one church in two locations and begin that journey. So I'm excited, I'm excited to talk to you today uh, about what we're experiencing on Sundays and, and dive a little deeper into the sermon content. And I was not the preacher. Uh, this is Jay Warner's second time out and uh, on, on the stage. And so uh, Jay is here with us today. Say hey to everybody, Jay.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And of
0: course, <laughs> as also, we are joined by our genius tech director, Bill Mayer.
1: Wow, these introductions keep getting more lavish.
0: <laughs> uh, for all 12 of our listeners. Just kidding. Well, um, I I love... This season that we're in, um, learning what it looks like for us to do ministry differently, stepping out into in faith into um, ways of following the Lord and, and fulfilling our mission as a church that are unforeseen and uh, stretching. And so that's been exciting. Um, you know, I have experienced, and I'm sure both of you have as well, that uh, following Jesus is never boring, and it is rarely the same as we walk through seasons
2: together. It's never boring if you're doing it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. If know? it's boring, you're doing something <laughs> yeah, wrong, right? If you're, bored at, if you're bored at church or you walk with Jesus, like uh-huh. something's got to change. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Cause if we're following him by faith, he's always taking us into new places into new seasons into new challenges into new callings. I mean, that's the nature of life anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. You leave childhood behind you under adulthood. You think everything's harder than it's ever been. And then you get married. <laughs> and then a whole world of new joys and challenges present themselves. And then you have children. And then you. Or oh, you have four children.
1: Mm-hmm. You guys are crazy. Yeah, four. I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> Bill has four little actually little children Bill is currently sleeping so
2: have
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you heard that uh, the comedian that talks about having four kids, and he said, if you don 't know what having four kids is like, imagine you 're drowning, and somebody hands you a baby <laughs> <laughs> so it 's especially hard when they 're all small, but it does get easier. Um, people will tell you that it gets harder, it gets different, mm-hmm. so there 's new challenges, but I will say from my experience having four small ones and the impact that has on your sleep. There's a reason why God wants us to have small children in our twenties and thirties and not in our forties and fifties. And this is one of the things that I think about when I consider, um, Sarah and Abraham, who you (laughs) close your sermon with uh, having a baby at 90. What Uh, were the sleepless nights like?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think the sleeplessness, it carries on throughout their child. It just becomes different. Like they're up. So you're up. And then, they're out. So you're up and then, <laughs> and then they're gone and you're just interceding on their behalf. You're on their knees at night. And so, uh, it changes, but this, I think you get used to maybe lack of sleep as you progress. Oh, so just, well, maybe, yeah, I think maybe I'm a in this little magic
0: window. Cause all mine, my, my youngest is six about to be seven. My oldest is just turned 14. They're all at home. Nobody's dating. And, and they all go to bed at night. So maybe I'm experiencing like a lull before the storm. Just take oh, a no. breath, man. Just enjoy the the, oh, the,
2: no. the refreshment of that, that season. And I I was, it's funny. I called Bill yesterday. I'm like, Bill, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm laying down, but I have feet in my face. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's weird. Uh, I'd like to take a nap, but there's a two-year-old's feet in my face and I cannot. Uh-huh. So there you go.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, naps are good. So I'm I'm like uh, your typical um, Enneagram seven. I love adventure. I have super bad FOMO. I like any opportunity to do something new. And so in my younger years, I like didn't sleep. Like I would stay up late and I would get up early and I was always going. And so um, in my teenage years, I actually fell asleep behind the wheel like more than six times. Really? Yeah. So I'm lucky to be alive. But um, yeah, I would get in the car and. My car didn't have air conditioning or a radio, oh,
2: wow. so it was <laughs> it was a nap mobile. <laughs> there have been times when I stuck my head out the window because I was so tired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're Leaning your head back and just peering out uh-huh. of squinted eyes. Yeah, there's that
0: weird lie that your brain tells you that if you just close your eyes for a second, <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah so um, yeah, I never was in a, a car accident. I did end up off the road a couple times. And um I would perceive that as a car accident. Yeah, just, you know. yeah I didn't hit any, anything. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I I now actually love uh full nights of rest mm. and naps when possible.
2: Oh, that sounds good. Yeah,
0: it really is. And so I don't yeah. actually feel like I'm missing anything. I'm actually I've learned to love the nap. Wow. Yeah. And going to bed early is like here comes a nice one. This yeah. is going to make my day tomorrow. Great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I actually last, just last night I got, Emily was already in bed when I went up and she's just I got in bed and she's like, mm, don't you just love bed? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, Like bedtime's good. Uh-huh. So Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. That's definitely uh, uh, that is definitely a motto for your forties. I think. Yeah. I just love our bed. We yep. on vacation. I can't wait to get back to our bed.
2: Oh yeah. I was traveling <laughs> the last few weeks and I got home and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, and was like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to go lay in bed for just, just a few minutes. Like, just leave me alone for a while. Uh-huh. Like, well, good to see you too. Yeah. So yeah, I grew that day yeah. as a husband. Yeah. <laughs> I did not lay in my bed. Just good so, for no. you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. You
0: live and learn. Uh huh. Yeah. And next time you'll learn not to even mention it.
2: Oh no, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, for all things exciting about naps, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear us talk about the sermon content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the reasons we started this podcast is, you know, with the constraint of time, a lot of times content ends up getting shaved out. Yeah. You know, we do, uh, we do good work as ser- preachers, pastors to prepare, uh, messages that are full, yep. uh, that are purposeful, that are based in scripture. So that takes time and, um, creativity to think through, okay, who, who needs to hear this? Who are they? How do I engage with them? Um, what is the text and what about it is confusing? How do I, how do I clear that up? And so there's explanation and illustration and application that is not easy. So anybody who's uh, ever listened to preaching and thought I could do that, um, you should try sometime you'll see what it's like. Yeah. Uh, but because of that, a lot of material ends up on the cutting room floor, um, days before you preach and then even during the actual delivery of the sermon the lord takes us in different places and time is spent different ways sure and so i was finding myself leaving lots on the table week after week and we thought well why not have an opportunity without the constraint of time to just talk about like what is it that we passed over yeah and so uh, we we do that typically um and we had spent the early part of this year in the binge the bible uh sermon series where we went through the whole bible in six months and obviously not only do we have that component of preaching what was left over but also like we had just read you know 80 chapters some weeks of the bible and so there was lots to talk about we had lots of questions from our listeners but kind of as we get back into the the normal routine of let's talk about you know what what maybe got axed from the sermon what was something that was like in your heart didn't get across and so uh, if there was anything that immediately you're like oh i know you mentioned psalm 115 was like in your notes and between services, you're like, I didn't even get to yeah, it. Yeah, we never got there. Yeah, so why don't you like wrap uh, a little bit about what was what was with Psalm 15, 115?
2: Yeah, so for the Psalm, yeah, that that portion. So you can go back and listen to the sermon. Uh, I'd love for you to do that, but um, we, we started out looking at these three different portions of scripture. Yep. Um, I wanted to look at, uh, we looked at Judges 6 just a little bit and to see the cyclical patterns of humanity, mm-hmm. especially as it was represented through Israel in the Old Testament, and how can those things be applied to our lives today? And how how can we see ourselves kind of in those same patterns yeah. of life? And uh, and ultimately, how do we get out of those patterns? Um, and then um, wanted to be in Psalms one fifteen, but we got to Proverbs three and Hebrews eleven. And if you love the Word of God, just there's these beautiful harmonies without uh, throughout Scripture, through Old New Testament, through the poetic uh, books of the Bible that um, really just it mesh they just mesh together so well mm-hmm. like the character of god revealed in so many different ways throughout scripture and it's this the it's this amazing thing to be able to find those nuggets mm-hmm. throughout scripture in different places so um so yeah so the sorry the psalms 115 part like we're going to we're going to miss everything here today too cuz i'm just going to start talking but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so for the psalms 115 part it was like so um, the psalmist was writing and he was saying they had eyes but they couldn't see, they had ears but they couldn't hear and he went through this this portion of scripture saying all of these things and at the very end, and, and as we're talking about this Worthy of It All series, we we're focused on how do we trust in the Lord well because he mm. is trustworthy, right? Yeah. Like we know that every portion, every every season we walk through, he is worthy of our trust. He does not change. He is uh, He's constant. He's the only thing that is reliable within our lives and at the end of the chapter um, in Psalms 115, It says, um, trust in the Lord. Oh, Israel, would you trust in the Lord? So it's looking at all these issues that that Israel was going through. They couldn't see correctly. They couldn't hear correctly. They were constantly going around these cycles and and going around the same mountain so many times of taking their eyes off the Lord. And God's response to that was, listen, it's not a a, um, behavioral problem. It's a trust problem. Like all of these things that you're seeing, all all of these these uh, patterns in your life, all of these the roller coaster of life, what we talk about quite a bit, um, it can be f- it can it can be remedied by this understanding of, listen, I need you to trust in me, once again, which led us to the Proverbs three, of trust in the Lord, right. you know, so leaning not on your understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledging Him, and He would make your path straight.
0: Yeah, I love that um the point you drew out to from the word acknowledge yeah you know because in english a- acknowledge can just be you know there you are i yeah. see that you are there
2: how's it going hey yeah, yeah.
0: and you know that's one of the challenges of a preaching is to help people connect with the heart behind the words yeah and then the limitation of translation you know so like <clears throat> i believe is the hebrew word there is yada which is a commonly used word to mean to know generically yeah but and a lot of eastern languages a lot of flexibility but the connotation there is that intimate connection yeah that you mentioned of like sitting across from and like that it's not just a yes god is here like acknowledging the reality that god exists but living your life in such a way that you're face to face with him yeah and i mean that acknowledgement that knowledge that that intimacy really actually begins to reshape your experience in the world I know men and women are different, obviously, but for me as a man, I I can, like you mentioned in the sermon, walk through life, analyzing every obstacle, every problem, and then going, okay, let me figure this out. So my default is to me and my mental process. And then the impulse is figure out a way to fix it, fix it and move on. And that can become a very godless way of life, right? And so to, in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord or know Him in everything is to say, Maybe the first, your first impulse is to pray about it first and go, God, what are you doing here? You know, is this from you? Is this something that's coming from the enemy? Is this like something that I need to just le- learn and grow? Is it, ne- it mortally neutral? Where, where do I find you in it and before we try to figure it out and listen and, and bring God into that situation? And then as we process, like how are we going to respond? Like What has God said to me from his word and in my spirit? And what is he speaking to me about the course? Because a lot of times he leads us in ways we never would have figured out on our own. you know, and maybe sometimes it's not even a fix necessarily as much as it is a a direction change or something he wants to do on the inside of us. And so like, it is a, those are very different ways of living to lead on your own understanding versus acknowledging the Lord and trusting him in all things. Yeah. And I think that came across really, really clearly and powerfully.
2: Yeah. And the one thing that I, you know, just through, um, through the experience and the journey of life and, and everyone, everyone's journeys, um, a little bit different. We all have the same goal in our hearts and our minds. And that is the, you know, love the Lord, our God with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls and all our strength. And you know, we have that, that one central figure of Jesus. And we want to do everything we can on this journey to, to do well with that, but everyone's in a different place and everyone is walking through different things. And I think the beauty of this is no matter where you are on your journey there's an, there's a greater opportunity to trust in the Lord yeah. for your next step. Yeah. There, you know, there, I know there's people, you know, walking through, through incredibly difficult times, whether it's a divorce or whether it's transition in life or whether it's, um, you know, with your kids, you know, we're talking about parenting and things and it always seems like there's another thing that's coming up and, um, or sickness or, or, uh, uh, you know, all of these things that come up in life and God said, listen, it's not as complicated as you think it is or as it feels. Mm-hmm. It's not as hard as it feels like just trust in me. And he's going to, he's going to put that light on that next step. You might not know the end of the journey. you not, you might not know a month down the road or you're down the road, but if you can take the step in the correct direction towards Jesus and trust him that he's leading you and he's guiding you, yeah. then the details kind of almost take care of themselves in the process. You know, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever felt a lack in your life of like, I'm, whether it's as a husband or, you know, I can say spouse, cause I know there's a lot of people listening, but, um, as a spouse or as a parent or as an employee, you feel like there's a lack in your life and, um, we can very easily get caught up in our own lack. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is it has less to do with about where we are currently and more about what he's calling us to be. And he's calling us out of that lack into his abundance and into the fulfillment of what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be. And so that's always very encouraging for me in mm-hmm. those moments where I'm like, like when I'm, um, I, can I just go to my bed? My wife's like, well, is that the best option for you right now? I'm like, thank you God for the opportunity to grow right now. I trust in you that you have the right thing for me. Yeah, so.
0: Yeah, I think there is, you know, all of us are on a journey of growth. Yeah. All of us who are serious disciples of Jesus are aware of the things we're seeking to grow in and renewing our mind and creating a strategy and a plan and having community and, and growing with people who are in relationship with like those, that's all intact for us as, you know, the course of our life. And I think everyone, it's like prayer. Everyone would say, I, I want to grow in my prayer life. I, I haven't met anybody that's like, I am perfect at prayer. Yeah. I've got that nailed. <laughs> I've moved on to other things. Yeah. Um, and, and I think trust falls into that same kind of category. That's so foundational and so fundamental and everyone's, Typically saying, you know, I'm just learning to trust God more, yeah. trying to grow in trusting God. One of the things I, I love about this series, the goal of this series and a Jesus-centered vision and kind of our mission as a church is, is to focus on the person of Jesus and our union with him, like our closeness to him, our connection to him, mm-hmm. and the reality that he is like trustworthy. Yeah. Like you help that con- you you helped connect that reality to our daily experience on sun on Sunday, and the process by which we activate that trust and grow in trust in Him, and I'm sure all of us at this table have experienced like a deeper knowledge and r- intimacy and relationship with Jesus. We have only found Him to be more and more and more and more trustworthy. Yeah, in the NIV Psalm 145, thirteen your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. So he's been doing this for a while. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) This was, he's, this was the plan. He's not going anywhere. Yeah.
0: And the second half of the verse says, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Yeah. And it really is like, it's so simple and yet can be so difficult to live according to what we know to be true. Yeah. Like God is completely trustworthy, yeah, there's nothing that we can't give to him, and I imagine a person who's a part of our church and who's in this season and who's feeling stirred to to you know step up and and say yes in some ways, maybe it's to so you're committing to going to a different location and what's that going to look like and which friends are you going to lose because they're worshiping in a different place and you're going to see people less often, or maybe you're going to start serving in a place that's challenging you and you don't know what it's going to be like to, to work with kids or to be, you know, to be hot in a parking lot or whatever yeah. it is, you're going, okay, what can I do? And it's easy to like have a desire to do a thing and then to think it through and then go, I can't do this right now. Yeah. And the, the reality is like, we're not asking anybody to do something based on a need. We're asking everybody to do what God's speaking to them. Yeah. And so if you, if God's speaking to you and saying in your spirit, now's the time, it's time for you to be a part of this. It's time for you to give generously. And you're like, I don't know where it's going to come from. You have an opportunity to ask and acknowledge, is he trustworthy? Yeah. And I think about these, these compelling examples and you close the sermon in Hebrews 11:11 11, 11, by faith, Sarah. Yeah. And you think about how impossible you, you, you like mentioned, how impossible was the situation? Yeah, Like her time had passed. Her body was done. Her yep. situation was fruitless and the promise remained. Yeah. And like when the news came that now's the time, she like literally laughed. I mean, Isaac yeah. gets his name from the fact that she's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yet she believed not perfectly, not without doubt yeah. and not without, um, just the absurdity of the whole thing. And yet by faith, that is where the source of the strength came for her to conceive. Yeah. You know, and it just points us to the fact that God is capable of doing whatever he says. Yeah. And so we can trust him. Yeah. You know,
2: I think one of the things that, that I, I love and every time you read scripture and every time you read, especially about the subject of trusting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord is always surrounded by these absolutes mm. about how it's all or every or always. Yeah he's, he's always good. He's always faithful. And sometimes our reality doesn't mirror or image that really well because we're walking through whatever we're walking through. Um, but to understand that, that it's such an important, um, idea or or character. Um, it's part of the character, sorry, it's part of the character of God that he is always faithful. He is always true to his word. He is always reliable. And when we understand that, then we see that um, in the places of lack in our own lives, yeah. it's uh, it's a, an opportunity and a challenge. Like we we don't like to see when we when we we don't do things right. Like we don't like it when we're feeling like a failure. We don't like it when we're when we're living in uh, less than what we know we can we could attain. Um, but every single one of those places is an opportunity for each of us to to find those places. Okay, where am I not putting my trust in the Lord? And how is He calling me? into, into deeper levels of the, of the intimacy that we talked about, the acknowledgement of him. Yeah. And the thing that I, the the, the other thing that I want to say about this is, um, I I connected these things as it pertains to our worship, which is, um, where we're going to go this week, you know, uh, in our service talking about worship and, and, uh, we will always worship from one or two places. We'll worship because of fear. We look at Israel over and over and over again because their, things weren't right, because things didn't feel right, because they didn't see the immediate provision of God, they turned to other things. They turned to idols. They turned to all these other uh, other things, and God continually had to send judge a judge to them and, and walk them through this, or we will, be, we will worship because of our trust. Mm-hmm. We'll always worship from one of those two places, our fear or our trust, and if you can worship from a place of trust, then you're, you begin to worship from a place of purity knowing that he is good, and he is he is true to his word, and he's reliable in that place. So for me, uh, trust is so much more than just getting to the place of the fulfillment of the promises. Trust is every step that I take along the way as worship and adoration to a good and loving God who yeah. really loves me.
0: Yeah, and I love the the personal emphasis in that description because it's easy for us uh, to depersonalize God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in so doing, we make trust like a spiritual discipline or a decision and it's trust is not, I mean, even in the original languages, the words for trust are relational words. Like we get our words fidelity. I mean, in Greek it's pistis. I don't know the the actual, um, words that are used in Hebrew. Bill's the resident Hebrew scholar. Uh,
1: I think it's batach for, um, in Hebrew, but like the, there's this like the interesting thing when you think about believe in, like Pistuo in the in the Greek New Testament, yeah. like we have like oh, if you believe, if you believe, but like really it, it means trust, like the best equated English word is trust trust, yeah, mm-hmm. like we have these different categories of words, belief,
0: which is like a a reality that you've consumed and that you stand upon or you've like categorized I, this is a belief that I have, and then trust seems to be relational, and then believe is like a choice when in uncertainty to take someone's word for it. And like English doesn't capture like the totality of it's about, I mean, faith and faithfulness and trust and relationship cannot be excluded from this. And so, you know, and this is what I love about making the focus our our union with Christ, because it's in, it's in that connection that trust is that is discovered. Right. So he's made all the way towards us and made us his. Yeah. We give ourselves to him and that's an initial act of trust. Once we become his and, where he makes his home in our heart by his spirit and like we're in this intimate relationship where we actually know him and it's in the knowing of him that we come to trust him. You know I used to use the words like trust and distrust to talk about like my levels of knowledge of people or if they've broken my trust and I'm like I don't trust them anymore but the reality is is when someone's broken your trust you trust them to do it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's about a not, uh, my expectation of this person yep. is now um, is filled out by my experience of that person. And so it actually isn't like I distrust you. It's I know you better. Yeah. I know kind of what to expect from you. Yeah. And so even with our children, you know, we, we don't want to put our kids into a classification of I trust you. or I don't trust you. When they go like, I trust you. And as I know you, I, I would expect that this is what you would do based on my knowledge of you. Yeah. And so how can I like hem you him a little bit, or how can I draw you out or talk to you about this thing in a loving relationship? And I just feel like the Lord does that same thing with us where he pulls us in close and then he reveals himself to always be faithful, to always be trustworthy, to always be faithful to his word and his promises. And he's always present. He'll never leave. he never forsake you. Like he's, that's built in. And then for us, he's, he's walking with us to go, okay, like, where's the gap for you?
2: Yeah, you know. Yeah, and one thing, Bill, Bill and I were talking about this this trust um, a little bit, and you were you were sharing me with me that that word of its tense and and uh, what it means to the individual. You want? I don't know if you want to share that.
1: Um, oh, in that um, was it in the Batak in Psalm in the Psalm though in the Proverbs chapter three Proverbs three yeah. Um, Oh, but it was in, oh uh, yeah, I remember now when you were talking about trust in the Lord with all your heart, mm-hmm. yep, right? And so you see it as a proverb, but actually, and I don't know how common this is, it's an imperative. Yeah. So it's like, it's a command for you to do it. Yeah. Like you don't have options, do it. Trust in the Lord. And it's also interesting because it's in 2MS. So it's like typically imperatives occur either in singular or ma- or, or plural. So there's like either... A, hey Jay, I want you to do it. Or I want y'all to do it, mm-hmm. be yeah. involved in this. And so this is a singular. So he's like you, it's an individual piece that you have to do. You trust in the Lord. Yeah. You, you engage in that personally.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, when you, when Jesse, when you were talking about that, how it's, it's so personal. Yeah. And I mean, that's really what the kingdom is. We can have this grand grandioso idea of like the kingdom is all out there and it's, but it's also in here. Right. It's like in us. hmm kingdom of God has been given to us, uh, to steward and to, uh, and to advance with. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I love that. I love, I love it when we can think outside of the, um, other people's responsibility within this or the, or the church's responsibility with this. And, and you can realize, okay, wait, no, this has, this has, um, an incredible opportunity to impact me right where I am to impact my children, to yeah. impact my family. And when you begin to personalize the gospel of Christ and allow, allow a level of, um, I don't want to say ownership, but a level of, of direct interaction. Um, that's when it becomes powerful and that's when it becomes transformative in our lives. Um, I, I've used this analogy before, but, um, I always say that God, God does a really good job of maintaining his portion of our relationship. Like if someone moved, it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. Like, and so, um, the analogy of like my first, my first vehicle was a 64 Chevy short bed pickup. Oh, and yeah. I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble with it. Uh, there was, it was three on the tree. It was, it was a lot of fun, uh, but it had a bench seat, mm-hmm. a bench seat. And I was reminded of this story of, um, an old man, an old woman driving down the road. And, uh, the old woman, uh, looks at, looks at her husband and says, you know, when we were younger, we, we used to sit together and we used to hold hands while you're driving. And, and, uh, it was such a, such a wonderful time. We'd take Sunday afternoon drives and she's like, I really missed that. And the old man looked over at her and said, who moved, you know? And oftentimes I think that's our relationship with God is like, God, like, and he's like, I didn't move. Like I'm here. I'm trustworthy. Like all of this stuff that is all around you, that's swirling. And that is drawing you away from the, yada, the, the intimate knowledge of him. He's faithful yeah. to remain. Yeah. It's us that so oftentimes get drawn away and distracted and move. And so that's my prayer for us as we move forward into this new season is that we would be so connected to the father that we, every time he wants us to move, we move; every time he wants us to wait, we wait every time that, that, you know, every, even, even the money that Mm -hmm. we spend in this, like, God, we want to steward it well for your kingdom. Right. So.
0: Yeah, it's good. I think about there's a direct proportion between our level of trust and our obedience right Yeah. so if for we delay sure. even if we delay obedience because of fear like we know the thing we're supposed to do and we keep putting it off and then we we even if we eventually do it that delay like when when you trust when you trust the lord when you know him to be as trustworthy as he is mm-hmm. you can obey him immediately yeah like on a dime he says a thing do it and what we see is he's faithful in the doing and we see that with abraham and sarah yep you see that i mean you see that with noah and it's not always fast but like god says build a boat judgment's coming yeah took him 100 years yeah (laughs) not not great and i think about this too like this is part of the challenge for me in my just this personal i'm just sharing this personally but you know i i am honored uh and humbled to have been called into the ministry of the word yeah so i love the scriptures i love the lord my heartbeat is to see people connect to the truth of God, to see people connect to the love of God for them, to see people grow and walk in in faith. And so like that's what I feel called to. And yet, even if I'm doing my part 100%, which is not saying that I am, but even if I am, the miracle of transformation that happens when people trust God is between them and God. Yeah. And I'm totally so out good. of it. I can't do that. Yeah. It's to, I, I, I deliver the message and then I sit back to see how the message is received yeah and so you know there's a an inability there's like this you have this beautiful vantage point God brings you as a preacher a pastor like right to the edge of you're in row one of the kingdom of God and you get to watch everything take place and it's just really it's really a privilege yeah but you also are not in the game yeah and so you're watching the Holy Spirit work and so it is amazing and encouraging and humbling when you get to see it but you you don't have any control over it and I think about Noah, here's Noah who received a revelation from God. He's given an insight into God's plans. That's that, you know, my friends know my plans. Yeah, yeah. He is given a task through which obedience to that task becomes the, uh, the manner in which God fulfills his purpose. Yeah. So God doesn't work outside of Noah. God works with Noah and through Noah and his faithfulness. And so if Noah doesn't obey God and build the boat, even though God revealed to him the coming judgment, there's no salvation. Yeah. And so you see by grace and through faith and obedience, but you know, Peter tells us that Noah was a herald of righteousness in his generation.
2: Hmm.
0: And yet for a hundred years, no one responded to his faith and his demonstration and his proclamation, not, not one. And the only people who were saved were the eight. Yep. And, and the, the, the encouragement for me in that particular low point in human history. And it was a low point. God said yeah. the thoughts of mankind were only can evil continuously. Yep. Like it's the low point. Like it's bad now. Mm, not as bad as then. <laughs> and Noah called by God to be faithful and fruitful and obedient. Never got to see one person respond mm. to his, his message of righteousness only his children. Wow. And yet God was faithful to his word and God shut the door on the ark and God restarted humanity, and we are here because of God's goodness and Noah's faithfulness. And so, whether and you're in when you're in Hebrews 11, whether you're honing in on verse 11 with Sarah, by faith, by faith, by faith. If you personalize that and you relationalize that, so I'm making up words, <laughs> and you sub- substitute that word uh, "by faith" with "through trust." Yeah, through trust, through trust, through intimate knowledge of God and a trust in Him being faithful to do what He will do these people did this thing. And then the call to us becomes like, will you trust me? Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. What is so, you know, you're, you're, as you, as we're looking at that trust and that faith and how they're, um, they're really, as it applies to our life, they really feel like the same thing. And they look like the same thing. When you, when you hear a verse, like without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does that mean in, in the context of what, what you, what you were talking about, Jesse? Yeah.
0: yeah again like there's so the word faith in there we've kind of talked about that and it's really important to make sure that we keep that relational but I also think about um, the words impossible and please yeah and faith makes impossible things possible absolutely because faith puts us in position to receive from the God of all things yeah he's the God of the possible there's nothing impossible for him mountains moved storms stilled dead things alive he speaks, things happen. Yeah. And so impossible is important because that's that. The thing, the, the thing I felt like was so powerful on Sunday was you were making that distinction between what we see and what God has said. Yeah. Will you live according? Will you walk by sight or will you walk by faith, right? And so that is where impossible circumstances have got to give way to faith in a God who makes all things possible. Yeah. But we also, at least in my experience, humans tend to have like an internal religious impulse and so it's very easy for us to read the words please god and immediately turn it into a when i do therefore god does yep yeah and so again this word please has got to do with a a relationship and an an interaction that brings joy to your heart as i trust you and walk with you yeah and it's again like god wants to do his things through us yeah he could do them by himself It, it it like blows my mind too like all throughout scripture, God will like commission an angel to go tell a person to go tell another person to tell a group of people a thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you're like, I think, I think we yeah. have some unnecessary redundancy yeah. in your messaging here. Um, we're playing telephone with the messages of God. Um, or at least we could like, t- we could taper this down by like, couldn't God just tell everyone? Yeah. And yet like one of the ways that, f- that f- faith comes is because God wants to work through people. Yeah. He wants to work through agency. He wants to work through faith and faithfulness. And so like that brings him joy. Yeah, it brings him peace. Like, you know, even even with this this big um, second campus and all this stuff, like we set parameters that were based on wisdom principles. Right. And so we haven't talked we talked a little bit about the money up front, but like we we could have tried to borrow more money. Yeah. Right. And we could have tried to do everything with organizationally with the leverage that we have as a church through faithfulness of our givers and gone to the bank and been like, okay, we're going to do a $1 million renovation and borrowed all that money and had this big payment and who knows what rates are going to do. But we made a decision that was constrained. It was limited by wisdom, number one, and, uh, but also like we, we're not, we're not trying to do this in our own strength. Yeah. And we're not trying to rob other people from an opportunity to sow generously into what God is doing yeah. to, to put it out there, to ask God, what do you want me to do? To close this gap you know we did this in the in the the one life initiative two years ago tiffany and i and we prayed and i i felt like god was saying i want you to give ten thousand dollars and i did not have ten thousand dollars i did not know how i was going to get to ten thousand dollars like it did it was it seemed like a nonsensical thing to me it seemed impossible yeah but i felt it in my spirit and i shared it with tiffany and she said hey that's what god's saying to you like let's do it and so the we wrote the biggest check we'd ever written two thousand eight hundred dollars Wow. Before that, the biggest check we'd ever written was one thousand eight hundred dollars so it was a big difference yeah so we cleared out all, all the cash we had available to give and then we and to do that then we could give three hundred dollars a month for 24 months and that would bring us to ten thousand yeah. dollars three hundred dollars a month was is like all the margin we had like any movement like any any like wiggle room was like okay, now it's gone but we could see how we could like plan for it and commit to it and make it happen yeah. and so we said yes to ten thousand dollars it was three months of doing that. And the Lord brought an investment opportunity that we were able to capitalize on. Uh, Tiffany ended up with a job that she wasn't expecting to have. So we had a new revenue source. And so uh, two things happened that we couldn't have planned on, couldn't have made happen. Still involved hard work, still involved sure. discipline, faithfulness, yep. all the things. It wasn't like magic money fell out of the sky, but, but the Lord blessed us and we were able to give that entire $10,000 in the first year. Wow. And so we opened Let's the go. year writing the biggest check we'd ever written, $2,800. And we closed the year writing the next biggest, not the next, the most we've ever written, $3,900 to complete our one life offering in the first year. Let's go. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Now I could have never foreseen that happening. And when God called me to do this and I felt it in my spirit, I didn't know how it was going to happen. And I knew it was going to be very painful Yeah. and it was going to take everything. Yeah. But I was like, all right, that's what you want me to do. And and this is the joy of bringing pleasure to God. Yeah. Like he's, he's excited about what he's going to do in you. Yeah. He's excited about the joy it's going to bring to you. He sees the back from the beginning, you know? Sure. Yeah. And so like, I can't tell you how good it feels to like write almost $4,000 checks. Like that is an amazing feeling. I hope yeah. I get to do that more in my
2: life. Well, and that's the thing is like, okay, so, you know, stepping into this new season, you, you know, you're walking with Jesus. He comes to you and says, Hey, I need you to do this financially. How's your perspective different now? Right. You oh, know? yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. From that experience. From
2: that experience yeah. of him being faithful and true to his word. Right.
0: And the accent falls on him. Like, yes, we were obedient. Yes, we responded in faith. That's the simple, passive, Fix it. we're fixed on Jesus. He's the one who said it. And then he does the miracle and he does the impossible. And so you come to know him, yeah. a.k.a. trust him, as the one who does the impossible. Yeah. And so the next time he says, I want you to do this thing, you don't go, I don't know how this is going to work, Lord. Yeah. You know, you go, all right, let's do it. You say, do it. I do it. And I expect that I've got your support and, and, um, and he'll come through and he does every single time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I know about the kingdom and one of the things I like to say is, um, you know, we measure success within our lives, within our ministries. There's a lot of different measurables within our lives. And I always go back to this one phrase that obedience is success. Yeah. Within the kingdom of God, obedience is success and obedience requires trust a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, when you're taking that step of faith, I mean, when you're about to step out on the water, it takes a level of trust mm-hmm. in the one that you have your eyes focused on. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that's to me, one of the biggest keys and you see it over and over with Israel is, um, they did right. They did what was right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. That's where they got into issues. Yeah. It was their, is their sight. It was their vision. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, yeah. you know what happened. And so, um, For me, just keeping my eyes on Jesus provides me the opportunity to trust him more. And then I can walk in obedience to new levels and see new things and see new miracles and breakthrough and all these things in my life that I'm, I'm I'm fighting for that I'm contending for. Um, they don't come through my own works. They don't come through my own sweat and my own tears. Although sometimes those things are required. Right. But, um, keeping our eyes on him is, is one of the most simplistic things in the gospel, but also one of the, toughest things we can do in the midst of, of the trials of life. Yeah. So
0: it's true. And there's, God's always doing more than the obvious and he's always Mm -hmm. getting more done than we can even imagine. And so one of the things I love about being a Jesus follower and knowing him and and walking with him every day is that he, I know that he's invited me into what he's doing in the world.
2: Yeah. The partnership.
0: And he's doing this, these big, amazing things and I I get to be a part of it, Mm -hmm. but he's also doing a thing in me as I partner with him. And as I get to know him, so he's reshaping me. And at the same time that he's doing a work in me, he is doing a work through me. And so I get really excited for people to come to understand through this union with Christ. And that is like the, the big key differentiation between the Old Testament, old covenant people of God and the New Testament, new covenant people of God is this, what the Old Testament prophets call a new heart, a new spirit. The law on the inside, not on the outside. Yep. The ministry of life, not the ministry of death. And so God was faithful to preserve a people who were, in fact, faithful during a ministry when the co- the covenant was on the outside. Yep, it was in the flesh, right? Yep, and it was in the family, and it was ethnic, and it was geographical, and it was it was legal. And so God managed to maintain that even through faithless Israel, ultimately to bring about the Messiah. Yep. And when, he, when he's done that, he's talking about a new age when he is going to take out this heart of stone and give us this soft heart, this tender heart of flesh that's alive to God. And he's going to take the law from outside of us to see and do to on the inside of us to know yeah. and to walk in. And so like that's the major distinction. And so while we still can succumb to doubt and unbelief, which is a part of this journey, we are not operating from a old dead heart where God's on the outside of us. We now have, if we're disciples of Jesus, through repentance and faith, the grace of God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5 says. And so we're, we're, we're now walking with God on the inside, in our inner man in our inner being. And so it's a game changer for us. And so I have every expectation that as the word is preached and Jesus is lifted up, he draws people to himself. He does this work on the inside of us and he, he walks us through this this depth And then he does a thing that's for us. And this is one of the, one of the passions I have as a leader is to keep both what what God wants to do for you and in you next to what he wants to do through you. Yeah. And if you separate them, if you become, it's all about you, it can be very consumeristic and very individualistic and very much just like your journey with Jesus. And, and then it loses the mission and kingdom component. Yep. And then, but if you're, if you're only focused on the mission and not what God wants to do, it can become transactional. Like, God's waiting on you. The reason Jesus hasn't come back yet, the reason the world isn't evangelized is because you won't be faithful. You know what I mean? Like, all the emphasis falls in the wrong place. Yep. And so it's important, especially as we're talking about the trustworthiness of God and our call to trust him and by faith to exercise obedience in the kingdom is that we're recognizing that God is deepening our knowledge of him and our relationship and our dependence on him. And he's giving us stories of faithfulness and deliverance and, and provision. Yeah. And as we obey, it's in the actual obedience that the kingdom is being built. And so I can't help but like think about the widow's two mites, you know? Yeah. And so here's this woman and God let her be impoverished. God let her get to a place where who knows? Does she have children? Is she a widow? Does she have no, she's a widow, but does she have no, she has no husband. She has no income source. She has no future. I don't know. I don't know what her prospects were in her own mind, but Jesus tells us that she was desperate and penniless and here she's got about enough money for a snack, not yeah. a meal, not a day, not rent, not a not a down payment, not first lo- first last insecurity. She's got two mites. And yeah. she takes herself to the temple or to the synagogue. She goes to the offering box. She puts it all in. wow And on the one hand you go, what are you doing? Like how are you, how are you going to what are you going to fill your own stomach? Of course then you go, well that's ridiculous she's going to buy a granola bar and then she's going to be in the same position that she was. And so she, she goes in faith to the one who she knows has got her covered. Yeah. And she makes an expression of her trust in him by putting all that she has into his care. And in a sense, putting herself into his care and the things that, you know, in, in the kind of American Christianity, the prosperity gospel, it's like, if you do the things then God blesses you, well, no, sometimes God will let you be the poor person, to demonstrate your trust and your your willingness to to go all in with him, now I don't know what that woman's future looked like, yeah. but I know
2: that she caught Jesus's attention, yeah.
0: and I know that he said, "Make sure." Or that...
2: how many times has she done that before? Yeah, who knows? And seen God show up? Yeah, who knows? And just that time, Jesus was there.
0: He is there, and he goes, "Listen, you guys are dumping all your coins in there, trying to get attention for yourself. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, right there." And so when I hear you say, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God," I think he will never let you down. Yeah. And he loves, nothing brings joy to his heart and, and a smile to his face than seeing you go, Gotta trust you with everything.
2: Yeah. And if that, if that's, the, if that's our expectation as Jesus followers, I think we're in a really good place. Yeah. Like not the expectation of a big house or lots of cars or the blessing looks a certain, certain way. I'm so grateful that God chooses to bless people in that way, like business minds and financially. And, but if my, if my heart could always just be in this place of God. I just want to do what pleases you. Yeah. I think it would elevate our level of trust in him and ele- elevate, um, the ability to not only be filled up by him, but the ability to pour out. Cause as you're talking about, right, it's mm-hmm. living vessels. It's, it's a c- constant filling to overflowing, but then pouring out all yeah. that we are and all that we have. And if we can do those two things well, I think we, we begin to grow, we begin to move, and then we begin to see the things around us become a little more green because we're, we're pouring out everywhere we go, and then we see flowers, and then yeah. we see the blessings yeah. and the goodness of God being revealed in our family and in our, in our marriages, yeah. all of those places. So like, like I said, I think we make it really, really complex, but I think the simplicity of the gospel mm-hmm. is found in our trust it's found in our trust in him a lot of the times. Yeah.
0: And it's visible. Yeah. I love the way that John says it. Um, in first John, he says the love of God is made perfect when we're walking in it. Yeah. And it's not, God's love isn't missing anything. No. So how is it made perfect? Well, it's made visible. Yeah. Like God's That's love good. is there. Yeah. It's, it's there, but can people see it and experience it until yeah. it's, it's poured into our hearts and then through us other people becomes demonstrable. And therefore complete, and so like this is this is the call. Um, one last little uh, data point um, before we close: um, when we set out to have our initial fundraising, and I'm saying this because a lot of people who are part of the Christchurch family now weren't with us two years ago, so yep. we've grown by like I think almost 50% since January 2021. I have to look up the numbers, but it's, it's a significant portion of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, when we started this. The campaign our goal was to raise a million dollars and the size of our church the the consultants said like that's that's not going to happen like that would be like that would be like your dreams come true yeah Um, they were they were saying like 500 grand would be great for a church your size your income level in this area and so if you can get to 500 that's going to be a success so that's what they said i don't know any about stuff i'm not a professional fundraiser but that's what they said and they said if you're going to reach a million dollars you're going to need uh six gifts um that are over 50 grand, and three of those need to be over 100 grand based on where people are giving and what their income levels are and how, what the giving looks like on paper. Apparently, these gurus are able to look at all of our metadata on, on giving and go, This is what we would project. So, two really cool things happened. One was um, they always say, or they typically say, you'll get like 15% of the actual offering at the kickoff, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it will come in over two years. And we got over 40% at the kickoff, wow, which is incredible. We had like 400 yeah, grand cool. come in on one Sunday, yep, which is insane. And um, so we also, our, our total kickoff, instead of being a 500, it wasn't quite a million, it was 860,000, which was still like way more than we than they said was like likely and really edging towards the impossible. But we're like, okay, it is what it is. We're not putting God in a box. That's, that's what the number was. So we're going to celebrate that. We're going to move forward. But the most amazing thing was we had one... gift. And that was the biggest gift we received. We had no six figure gifts. And the reason we were able to get to that was we were expecting about a hundred to 120 families to participate. And on day one, we had 147 Wow! and people did what they could. And the cumulative effect of all of those people doing what they could going all in pushed us into a realm that they'd only seen happen when you have major, like super rich people make giant donations yeah. and so to me that was like such a win
1: yes. right Yeah,
0: and it only grew from there we ended up with over 200 individual givers of, as people came in heard about what we were doing and added to that we eventually did cross over that million dollar threshold within those two years and so like God did the impossible and so like when I think about what our little need now we have what 150 grand or whatever it is we're trying to put together to close the gap on our construction budget and all the renos that we'd like to do uh in Daytona that would allow us to utilize that whole campus. Like I have nothing but like absolute faith that God's gonna do that. Yeah. And I think he's gonna do that in the hearts of people who go all in. Yep. Because they trust him. Yeah. Because they're listening. And because of their oneness with him, he's gonna speak to their heart. Yeah. Man. And he's gonna say, This is what I want you to do. And it might be, it might be snack money. And you might think, what difference does it make that I put, you know, this five bucks in? Yeah. Like the widow's two mites. It might be like, literally like this feels inconsequential, but it's what God told you to do. Yeah. And it's an expression of your dependence. And maybe it's somebody writing a six figure check that didn't do it two years ago or wasn't here two years ago is like, I want to make this thing happen. And I have the ability to do that. I don't know. And that's not up to me. What's up to me is to ask, to put it out there, to go, listen, let God do a miracle inside of you. Yeah. Let him grow you in you knowing how trustworthy he truly is. Yeah. And let's forward the kingdom together. Let's all do what we can do. And like, I have like nothing but faith That as we as a community gather around the trustworthiness of God. We say he is worthy of it all. And we ask, what do you want me? What does it look like for me to go all in that? As we respond in obedience, we are going to see um, man, the goodness of God and the land of the living. Let's go. So I can't wait. I'm like, so excited for the 22nd. That's so good. Any, Any concluding thoughts, you guys
2: read Romans chapter four. After you listen to this man, the one verse in there, in verse twenty, Romans chapter four, verse twenty, talking about Sarah and Abraham again. It said, "Yet with respect to the promise of God, with respect as Abraham thought about the promise that God gave him, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, yeah. giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to also perform." Man, if man, I just want to be a person who's fully assured, yeah, of whatever God says. Okay that's where we're going. That's what we're believing. Yep. Whether it's financially, whether it's relationally, um, God, what you said, I'm going to believe and I'm going to stand firm on it. Amen. No wavering, no so wavering. Good. So,
0: so good. I love that connection between Abraham and Romans four, Sarah and Hebrews 11. Yeah. It was strength to them. Yep. Their faith manifested as strength.
2: They weren't given the promise. They were given the strength to walk out the promise. Yeah. So and isn't good. that what
0: the apostle Paul prays for yeah. in Ephesians three, when he's like, I want you to know God so deep and his love yeah. so powerfully that you're going to need strength to even manage the experience of it. Yeah. And so like, that's our prayer for you, that you would encounter God in such a way that requires strength, that your faith in him would become the strength to, to do the thing and to receive the miracle that he wants to do through you. Yes. And so uh, this week, uh, we're going to be, uh, the sermon is going to be praiseworthy Yeah. And so Pastor Honey is going to be teaching. I'm super excited about That's that. going to be we'll so ha- good. We'll have her on excited. the podcast next week. Yeah. And uh, so I say thank you, Jay. Thank you for your preparation, oh, for your delivery, for joining us on the podcast, for yeah. speaking more to this and, and um, just enjoy this conversation. Can't wait to see what the Lord is going to do in and through uh, each of us and all of us in this next season. ahead. Yeah,
2: it's going to be fun. Yep.
0: Thanks for being with us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this week's deep dive into the scriptures. Our goal is to help you know Jesus better so that you can implement your identity in Christ, engage in your unique purpose and calling, and create community around your relationship with Jesus. For more content like this and opportunities to connect with us in person, find us online at joinwithjesus.org.